Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Mitskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to be talking about standalone adventures. Uh, scenario packs? Standalone adventure scenario packs. Right, and uh, to, to, in keeping with the theme of this episode, uh, instead of recording with all three of us uh, sitting in the same claw-footed bathtub <laughs> that we usually do, we're each standing alone in our own apartments and recording over a virtual video conferencing program. So that's that's just us going to extra lengths to, uh, you know, really, really deliver on the theme of this episode. Yeah, it's it's quite a change uh, from our usual setup, but I'm hoping we can still bring Dane, the same Dane, spicy Dane, content. Dane's not reacting at all. Is this... Is this too high concept or not high concept enough? <laughs> I I don't know. What one or the other? I, I'm suffering from withdrawals from being in a bathtub. It's just uh, it's it, you know, the, recording the podcast isn't quite the same when we can't just kind of like uh, you know, gently nuzzle and hug each other as we as we each speak into our separate <laughs> microphones in the tub. But uh, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do our best to give you that same mur feeling anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Uh, today we're going to be looking at all, all of the scenarios that have been released so far that you can play either as standalones, um, completely separate from campaign mode, or some of them you can kind of inject into your scenarios as, uh, as side, side quests. Uh, I like to call them side quests. Technically like you can play any scenario as a standalone. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the scenario packs, which are scenarios that are sold not, not as part of a campaign. Which we definitely didn't just learn that they're called scenario packs five minutes before recording. So, <laughs> right, I, I, I always knew that. That was uh, what did you guys think they were called? I thought they were data packs. Oh, well, no, okay, because there's a lot of data in it. You know that what I'm is saying? that is completely fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, as as we talk about these, I think that this is kind of you know for players that have been around in the game for a while and have played these before, this is maybe kind of like a stroll down memory lane. Oh yeah, I remember this scenario. For newer players, maybe this can function as almost kind of a guide to which ones they might be interested in checking out. So we're going to try to answer four questions for each of these. First, uh, what is the story or premise of the scenario and what campaigns would it go well with? Uh, Two, what is the experience of playing it like? Are there any memorable cards or mechanics? Three, are the rewards good or interesting? And four, overall, is it worth buying and how replayable is it? Seems like a good couple of guidelines. Seems like a good plan. So why don't we dive right in? The first ever side pack scenario quest release <laughs> b- before the game actually came out at Arkham Knights 2016, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Or it might have yeah, been right. simultaneous, like or like two weeks after it came out or something. I don't remember. I mean the the official like release that you could buy it in game stores was like after the release of the game, but it was also it was the they gave it out to people at the Arkham Knights like a month before the game came out. So, uh, so it's Curse of the Rugu. Um, so the story premise of this is you, you're off to the, the bayou in uh, Louisiana? New, New Orleans, right? Outside of New Orleans? Yep. Thereabouts. Yep. New Orleans. Uh, and you're hunting down a creature that has been uh, rumored to be causing trouble there. Cajun werewolf. The sw- yeah, yeah, it's a werewolf. <laughs> you're in the swamp, there's leeches, you know, occasional Cthulhu monsters of some kind. Your socks, your socks are soaking wet the whole time. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah. You're, you get, Not a great you get place a, to be. What is it? Trench foot. Everyone gets yeah. trench foot and probably dies. Yeah. Very, very unpleasant in terms of just imagining what it would be like to live through this scenario. And yet, there's not really much of a the the story like the kind of the flow of the camp of the scenario is you are chasing the Ruguru and then you fight the Ruguru, and then you kind of try to deal with the Ruguru. That's pretty much what happens, right? Yeah. It's really like two main acts. The first part, you're kind of in like a small area, like investigating, and then the, the map gets bigger, um, and you have the Ruguru running around you have to deal with. And you have to kind of decide whether you want to uh, just like kill off the Ruguru or like try to cure it. And trying to cure it is like the harder, the harder path. Uh, 
to do this in your yeah. life. There are like side like little like side quests that you can do that help you towards that end, but it's definitely tougher. And yeah, yeah the, the experience of playing it is it's kind of a big map. You're kind of everyone's running around trying to pick up clues. And the Rougarou itself, as as it moves, it kind of like drops clues behind it. So one, that's how you can get more clues, which I think you need to like engage the the Rougarou, otherwise it just keeps running away. Um, and two, that also means that it's kind of hard to get victory off of locations yes. because as he keeps moving, he keeps dropping clues on locations you've already cleared. Yeah, one of the one of the funny like strategies that I guess you wouldn't know going in is that you kind of have to figure out like where you want him to end up and like where where you want him to run so that like you don't have to pick up clues on the same place that you picked up clues for the last like four turns because. <laughs> you didn't think you'd, you'd draw the card that would make him move again which which is actually pretty cool i kind of like that you have to sort of plan that out yeah 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 i really like this scenario for the puzzle aspect of like trying to figure out where how to manipulate the ruguru to go where you want so you can like get as much victory and then like defeat him or advance the act or whatever at the right time so i always like scenarios that have that puzzle aspect to them yeah any memorable cards or mechanics other than the ruguru itself um, I think that one card, there's there's one card that just like makes him hit everybody at his location, which is, uh, really hurts <laughs> a lot because he has two damage, two horror value. But also if if he's not at your location or it, it resolves also at a connecting location. So if he's not at either of those places, then you just, he puts his doom on the agenda. And it's not like in Ancient Evils where it'll make the, the agenda advance. It's just a doom on the agenda. Yeah, that's always a nasty card. I think that's kind of a sign of how early in the game this was, because t- these days I think that would almost certainly advance the agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I yeah, kind of so remember the leech enemies and dragged under a little bit, which were kind mm-hmm, of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for the most part, I don't think there's a, any like incredibly memorable cards that I can remember from this one. It, it just it feels like an early Arkham scenario to me a lot. Yeah, one thing that I would kind of have wanted to be more notable, I guess, <laughs> is like the the setting itself. Like you get to see a lot of locations and they they each have different like subtypes, um like places where you are in the bayou or like maybe a little bit outside of the bayou. I think you can go to like actually Norlane proper, but there's not a lot happening there. Like you don't have to go there and talk with people. It's it's not. I, I guess I feel like I, I would have preferred to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's more monster hunting. Not really any. It's not really investigation as much. You kind of yeah. there's like a couple locations that are sort of interesting with the items you can find there to help with the monster yeah. hunt. But it's uh, you fill in the story a bit more yourself there. So which I think it's fine. Yeah. So what about the so when we, if you insert this into a campaign, you can get some rewards from it. I guess it's a little spoilery to mention the rewards, but. Uh, there's depending on what path you take you can get an ally that helps you move around and and, and she heals i don't remember or she just helps you move around i don't remember she just heals you yeah um or and then mind. depending on which path you take somebody might end up uh becoming a werewolf and they get like a a card in their deck that turns them into a werewolf uh, a, um, a weakness right uh there's a weakness and a oh, regular yeah. card yeah. So there's, yeah. Like, there's like there's like a I, I probably should have written down what the name of the weakness was, but it's like a bloodlust, so you have to like have to attack every turn or something. Um, or you take or a you horror. Like, or you yeah. take a horror. And it's kind of funny because it's it's kind of like a um it's kind of like an acidic icker type effect where it lets you attack as if your base stats were some high number. So it's really it's freakishly good for people like Calvin that have really low base stats yes um it's very funny on that but if but if you're you know i don't know i mean i think i remember dane using it to great effect as like safina once but in general if you're playing <laughs> yes. like a, if you're playing somebody that's not usually a, a fighter that it might not be super useful for you yeah 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 um i think that that's like kind of for me the biggest reason why i would go into it um because i mean part of the rewards is the xp you know that you that you'd gain either you'd you'd lose some because uh you pay two to go into it and then you don't get enough on locations or enemies or whatever. I thought you paid one to do it. No, it's two. Okay. So you might you might like net just even and and not get any greater than two, um, which is fine, I guess. But it, it it's kind of tough to get more than more than like 
I don't know, three maybe to recoup. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go in there with delves or or opals or whatever other stuff that gives you XP oh, sure, scenario, sure. then that adds to it. Um, yeah, I also thought it was only one. Yeah. I really uh, think it's only one, but who cares? It's not that. Yeah, yeah everyone can send an angry, angry email to Dane if he's wrong. It's yeah, fine. everyone, uh, everyone so, do it. Just uh, verbally assault Dane on Discord if he's wrong com- about this. Comments <laughs> at mur.fm or our, or our Discord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how about so what how how we fail is it is it worth buying this one this late in the game if you're starting Arkham? I I honestly would not recommend it unless you really want the transform into a werewolf card for some weird deck shenanigans you're doing. I just think the experience of playing this is not super exciting. It's not bad. It's just it, it really feels like an early like first year Arkham scenario, and I think there's more exciting stuff to do in the game now. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I sometimes use it if I don't feel like playing the gathering to like teach people Arkham because it's relatively simple mechanic wise. Dane's making a horrified face for some reason. I don't know why. But uh <laughs> so I kinda like it for that aspect, but I don't really find myself playing it very often these days. And I think a couple of these other scenarios are more fun to pick up as standalone packs, uh, than Luguru. But I still like it and Sometimes, if you really want to, you can like throw it into Forgotten Age uh, on your way to Mexico. <laughs> you can stop off here. Well, that's thematic, yeah, sure. Yeah, it does. It does work well if you're trying to uh, if you're trying to kind of make it geographically fit in with what the campaign is doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which is sometimes an issue, right? Like, I guess it's it's kind of a flavor like miss, perhaps sometimes. But I think that if you have this, if you really like like the werewolves and that kind of. Um, spooky like classic horror kind of vibe you might want to go with this one over some other ones um because it does have it does have that monster hunter feel you know that you are definitely going uh tracking and trying to find this thing that's that's running around this bayou and maybe not necessarily the the most horrifying thing but it's 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 fun to do that yeah and i guess replayability wise eh. It has a little bit of randomness in the locations. You use like three out of four sets of locations each game, but other than that, it's and and there's kind of two different endings, similar. I guess. But it's so in that sense, it's replayable. But I, I don't think that mechanically it's fun enough that you're going to be oh, I really want to play that again. You know, it, yeah. maybe I don't know. I mean, I feel like when when the game first came out, we played it like a million times, but that's because there was like four scenarios to play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Do you want to play more Arkham? I guess we'll play Rugru. Right. Yeah. yeah. But now play it if you're Preston or Galvin. So, so do we have an overall rating for this? <laughs> Sounds like no, none of us are highly recommending it much. It's uh, all right. Yeah, yeah it's it's, a, it's, it's all right. It's, it's not fine. a bad scenario. It's not an incredible scenario. So. I mean, I think that we, I think as a rule, we recommend buying everything that's available for the game and playing all of yes. it. But uh, aside yeah. from that, yeah, maybe don't buy this first. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Carnival of Horrors. I'm sure I pronounced it correctly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey ben I, I can't remember what was the name of the final boss in this uh in this scenario i i also can't remember so uh, tragically okay uh and dane uh, doesn't seem to write it down on our cheat sheet here so tragically tragically we'll never know ben do you remember uh, any of the locations <laughs> from this scenario i'm having trouble remembering those too no uh, i think they're so it takes place in uh venice venice right? yeah. yeah italy uh so there's a bunch of uh, famous italian locations uh, and the, the theme is it's during the Olive the, Garden, uh, Pizza Hut, uh, Chuck yes. E. Cheese. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yep. So it's taking place during the Carnival, which I, it's escaping me what that actual real life celebration is for. But uh, there's a parade, and it's a parade. There's a parade that goes around the city, and you're kind of like mixed in with the parade. So the map is like circular, and you can only go around the map in one circle. And you're trying to hunt down uh, cultists that are up to no good, that are mixed in with the innocent partiers in the parade. And you're just trying to you're trying to find you're trying to find the actual criminals and uh, defeat them while you sit while saving innocent people as stuff starts to go south and Cthulhu start popping up everywhere and attacking people. So more more the latter, yeah, but but definitely <laughs> both. And then later in the scenario, we probably should try not to spoil it, but uh, some yeah, other cool stuff. Sp- yeah, so, so, <laughs> some other cool stuff happens kind of after very that cool stuff. Part. Um, yeah, the third yeah. the third act or slash third agenda are both pretty cool thematically and, and fun wise. Yes. So. So yeah, the third act is definitely very memorable. I uh, don't want to don't want to mention any more out there, but play experience wise, I love I love this scenario. I, the design of it it really sh- uh, showcases like how uh, location placement 
can like set the the theme of the adventure a lot. So like the whole thing is set in a circle. You're in a parade that's like going one way because you can't can't go the opposite direction of parade obviously while you're in the middle of it. So you're forced to go around in a circle, and it gives a lot of strategy because you have to figure out like how to pick up people. You have to pick up the innocent revelers and drop them off in a different location. So you have to try to figure out how you can pick them up and move them around, and then encounter cards can mess up your day by like forcing you to move across the map or there's enemies that will chase you down and you know, it's very cool yeah the the circular map thing really kind of blew our minds i think the first time yeah. that we saw that it was just it was kind of an early indication of how many different interesting ways a scenario could be constructed just based on variations on the same rules um i i think for the first couple of years that the game existed this was probably the best scenario that they'd released and I still enjoy it a lot, kind of partially for nostalgia's sake. I think that, I think that the game has kind of moved past it a little bit, partially in that there's a lot of other scenarios now that have similar creative sort of constructions to this. But also, in terms of talking about what the play experience of this is like, um, I feel like this scenario is kind of trivialized by a lot of modern cards. Maybe not totally trivialized, yes. but there are just way more cards now that help you move around the map more quickly or even teleport around the map. And those kind of have the effect of making the first part of the scenario massively easier than it used to be. Yeah. yeah. When did this come out? This came did out. This come out like kind of at the butt end of Dunwich. Yeah. This came out pretty ish. soon after Ruguru, like kind of early 2017. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I remember playing this. We we <laughs> like we'd said we there were only like five, six maybe scenarios out at the at this point, and we were kind of going through Dunwich. And we were like, well, okay, it's 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 okay. And then Dun Ruger was okay. Then this came out and it like absolutely transcended all of Dunwich, all of like Ruger hands down. We, we were mixing this into every campaign too, partially just cause there wasn't that much, <laughs> there were, there weren't that many scenarios to play and partially just cause we really, really liked it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, as far as notable things go, I think, um, the, the whole construction of, of movement and how that, how that, translates into it being like a masquerade parade uh and this huge conga line going in one direction fantastic yeah th this is the one yeah. where the mechanical and narrative hook are, are way more memorable than any individual card i think i do like a lot of the art yeah. from this scenario yeah same same yeah um so yeah in terms of uh the rewards so, I mean, I, I think it's about the, pretty much all of these, it's like you spend XP to do it, you get maybe a little bit more XP back, but it's, that's usually not really the reason why you choose to do it. Um, yeah. This one, the rewards are you get these little masks, which are sort of little items that you can, uh, they're assets you can play, and then at some point later you can use them as a free trigger to replace one one skill during a test with another skill and also get get some other benefit. And they're they're kind of okay. Um, they're good for a couple of characters like William York in particular, because they're sort of like cheap, reusable assets. Maybe also Dexter. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. I don't, yeah, Dexter might be good too. I haven't played this since Dexter came out. Very good with Dexter. I don't know if he really needs it, but it's, it's at least like a cheap thing that he can play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you also get, uh, you can get an ally. Oh, this is the ally that lets you uh, yes, move a little bit faster. Right, yeah. yeah. So, and that, I think you only get her if you get, like, the best ending or something. But really, yes. the masks are, I think, a little bit better than... Yeah. In general, because everyone gets a mask. Well, only one person gets the ally. Yeah, in in contrast to Ruger, who we're really... Just about the only reason to play it now, I think, is either completionism or wanting to get the werewolf power. This one, I think it's really not for the rewards you'd play it. It's just for the kind of fun experience. Yeah. That's definitely very fun. I, I think it's pretty replayable. Uh, the map is like semi-randomized, so you can't really, it's pretty randomized, like the locations of the enemies versus innocent people is randomized, and the uh, circle, the circle's not randomized, but I think like one location is missing or something. No, I, I, th I think it is. I mean, the, the order of the locations oh, no, no. in the circle is randomized. It is, yeah. And then you yeah. pull one location out before yeah, you Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it. That's always pretty fun, and the ending is basically always fun, uh, even if you've done it several times. So <laughs> it feels kind of like a racetrack, right? Like yeah, and, and this one, yeah, because you have to go around <laughs> multiple times, you have to do laps. Yeah. Uh, Ruguru seems to drag on sometimes. This one, I think, is always over pretty quick. Like it's you, it's tight. You, yeah, it's you, you can knock this out in an hour and a yeah. half or so, even with like four people. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So recommended. This is definitely one to pick up. I think if you're looking for a standalone, this one's really good. 
Yeah, absolutely. One one last thing about this one, uh, uh, you know, little little Dan's math corner. This uh, this scenario it, uh, years ago gave me occasion to tell Dane about the Monty Hall problem, which was yeah, kind of, the first yeah. time I heard of which, it too. which 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 I think blew his mind a little bit. That's always a fun thing to to talk about. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because one of the decisions you have to make is basically yeah. that. Yeah, one of the encounter cards makes you like shuffle the face down, whatever's yeah. But uh, we won't go into it now. But it is kind of interesting. Oh, and because uh, this takes place in Venice, I think we like to insert it into Path to Carcosa, at least we used to, because it's like, yeah, it's sort of on the way to Paris, kind of. Also, Path yeah. to Carcosa is bomb, and this scenario <laughs> yeah. is bomb. Ben, ben also <laughs> likes to eat uh, really greasy pizza and breadsticks while he's playing the scenario and rub the grease all over the cards, oh, just as kind of an extra, sound... just as a little <laughs> no, extra immersive that sounds super, super. That sounds super incorrect. Uh... <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry for that imagery, folks. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll some try, people, we'll some try people, to stay away from that. Some people probably shut off the podcast at that. At the yeah. sheer horror, the sheer horror of that thought. I'm not sorry for anything. Yeah. Uh, let's move on and talk about the next scenario pack. All right, uh, Labyrinth of Lunacy. So this was the f- this was the n- second Arkham Knight scenario, and it was the first uh, massive multiplayer massively multiplayer scenario. online Massive, i don't i don't i don't remember the official title of when you can play it with one one group but uh you can play this up to three groups and the groups like can interact with each other a little bit as you progress the theme is like you wake up in a la- uh, spooky like uh pan's lamp- labyrinth type place uh or maybe it's more like saw there's like traps everywhere. Saw, right <laughs> i was like mm, two very different moods <laughs> yeah no i just it had the word labyrinth in it and i was grasping at it anyway yeah it's more like saw you're like in a horrible saw maze you have to try to escape <laughs> uh there's like traps everywhere and spooky monsters and there's a way some of the encounter cards let you interact with the other groups and I think to solve some of the puzzles, you need to be able, you have to interact with the other groups that you're playing with. But but, but in kind of strictly controlled ways, like one person will get an encounter yeah. card that if they meet some condition, will let them go over and talk to one person from one of the other groups. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's relatively, it's pretty limited, but you still have to, so you have to kind of figure out who needs what information. And uh, it's also timed if you're playing it in multiplayer mode, so you, like, you can't like just chat forever. So I haven't ever played this in single player mode, so I don't know if it's good. <laughs> Now that you mention it, I have an either. Single, single group mode, yeah. We, we uh, also should mention that unlike most of the other scenario packs, this one cannot be played as part of a campaign. You can only do it standalone, right? That's yeah. right. That's, that, and that is the actual reason why I have never played this <laughs> solo. Because I guess, I mean, Labyrinths for me is kind of fine. I'm never going to say that right. Labyrinths for me is kind of fine. But I I think if I were ever to play a, a standalone scenario... Uh, that can be a side quest, I would want it to be a side quest, and that's where I'd play it. Because I like more uh, victor points, I like that whole aspect. So, it's a little weird. I think the camp it works okay as a, a event-type scenario for the first event-type scenario. Uh, I don't I don't think it's good for your play group, because you can't insert into anything. It's kind of like you play it once, and then you have no reason to insert it into a campaign. So... It's kind of interesting because it's of these first three, it is the most accessible in terms of like theme, right? Because if if you're in, uh, I don't know, Innsmouth, and then you're in the middle of a high speed chase or something, suddenly you're like, let's go to the bayou or let's go to Venice. You know, this one is just like maybe you got pulled out of your beds one night and now you're in this creepy saw dungeon. That makes more sense because right? it's not anchored to a particular real world location, I guess. Yeah. Right. 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 It, yeah, so it makes the most sense, yet you can't do it as a side scenario. It's really weird how much this matters to you, Dane. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, and I think mechanically, another thing I remember about this one is there's a lot of points where one player kind of semi-randomly gets, like, yoinked into a room by themselves, and they're, they're put in some kind of a trap that they have to escape from. And that can be, I, I guess, depending on your point of view, that can be kind of, like, stressful or harrowing. I think it's, you know, it's all a game. It's, like, kind of fun. And the rewards for this one, I don't think you really get. Well, I mean, because it's a it's a standalone only, you really like can't get rewards from it, right? So the reward is exactly. the experience of playing it and surviving the saw dungeon. That's and the, for some reason, there's still victory on locations, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so on that note, in terms of like overall in this one, I mean, I appreciate what they were going for with this, and it is definitely ambitious. And if you're playing, if you're meeting together with a group of 12 Arkham heads and you're going to do all the massive scenarios, then yeah, you know, put do, do this once in the rotation. But I think it's not as cool as the other ones we're going to talk about later. 
And it's kind of like more of a curiosity than like a really good scenario. But I don't know, especially if you like weird stuff, if you like like gross horror movies, maybe it might be up your alley. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of who I would recommend it to. To those people who do like Saw movies and like creepy dungeons and, and weird gory vibes, I guess you'd, you'd really want to try it for that because it does accomplish, I think, in, in the way that you feel sort of isolated. Um, it, it does accomplish that pretty well. Anything else to say about Lavitz Lunacy? Nope. Ben still can't probably pronounce the name of the uh, last the, the last uh, boss there. No one can pronounce that. Even I can't pronounce That's that. That's a safe bet for almost all that the is, that is bosses. Yeah. So, we, like... we're, if, we get, if we get 100 Patreons, we're going to do an episode where people just submit difficult-to-pronounce words for Ben to read. And that's... That that is a reason. That is a reason to to hit up our Patreon folks. Until then, uh, until then, we're not gonna we're not gonna put them through this. Oh boy! All right. So the next scenario is a, actually a pair of scenarios. It's the Guardians of the Abyss uh, pack. So this was another Gen Con Arkham Knights uh, set of scenarios. The first one's Eternal Slumber, and the second one's Knights Usurper. I feel like we talked about these in a previous podcast. We did a whole episode about it, I think. But that was years ago. After Arkham Knights. Yeah, uh, no one listens to the backlog anyway, it's fine. Uh, so <laughs> so the theme of this is you're in Egypt, uh, and you're investigating some, a mysterious uh, slumber that's overtaking people. People are falling asleep and not waking up. Not a great place to be. Yeah, so the first scenario of Eternal Slumber kind of feels like three separate scenarios, because each act is drastically different, if I recall correctly. The first one is kind of like... The first act, you're like trying to talk to people and get information. And there's a bunch of story text, and you're like in the town of uh, Cairo. And then the second and third act, you're exploring in the desert. Like literally, or like the full sec- text exploring it, and trying to find Yeah, yeah. Rem- remember the Forgotten Age? Yeah. yeah. So you're using the explore mechanic to discover the desert map. And then I think the third act, you're kind of like backtracking to deal with a, a big enemy and you, you either like backtrack to the town and get clues or you can like fight it. Right. And then the, the climax, I think, you know, sends you to the sec- you make a decision in the climax and then you go on to the second scenario. And the second scenario I think takes place. I think you go back to the desert, don't you? Yes. Yep. In the first half of the second scenario. Yeah. You have to explore the desert. I think you, you start in the desert. Is it explored already or do you have to explore it again? I think you have to explore it again. You have to explore it again, and then you find the place, and then you go to a different place. Yeah, you find the right. you find the gateway, and then you go into the the zone where you deal with the boss, uh, another boss, the big actual boss, and you have to make some decisions in that zone whether the god whether, of progress who, who to team up with. You can team up with the denizens of that zone, or you can uh, team. Can, you can, I think you can team up with the boss, right? <laughs> Basically, you can. Yeah. So, or can you? There's a lot going on here. The the things that mechanically stand out to me about these scenarios is it's it was kind of a good use of explore. Like the way that explore was used in these, we we kind of compared favorably at the time to most of the Forgotten Age scenarios. So that was kind of cool. I remember the encounter deck being kind of weirdly sort of punishing. It has a few cards that really do basically nothing, but then it has others that are really nasty. But Yes. It, it kind of has its own feel. I like scenarios where the encounter deck is very kind of memorable and different from other scenarios. Well, the standalones are really where they can shine with that because they use all, you know, they don't use any of the core set. So. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about them. Yeah. I do remember this being pretty brutal, but I also remember us playing it like three times immediately when it came out. So <laughs> it, it, These are pretty hard, I think. They're, they're long and they're difficult. The, both of these scenarios are among the longest scenarios I think ever made, especially the first one. The first one's really long. Yeah. The second one, I think, after your first playthrough, if you know what's going on, you can kind of blast through it. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's yeah. true. The first one will be forever. <laughs> I'm not totally not into it because even the first one, which is very long, it's kind of broken up into like three discrete subsections that each feel a little bit different. So it's not just one long yeah. slog for the entire thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that. I mean, what you mentioned about explore is exactly how I felt. I think. I think that it was the most successful. Uh, explore has been in the game and that's mostly because of the act uh, structure kind of that we were talking about because it is so heavily partitioned the explore mechanic feels earned because all of a sudden now you're you need to go to the desert to explore and it feels a lot more like mysterious and interesting rather than just having to slog your way from the get-go into lo- new locations, possibly fail at doing that, and, you know, it's a horrible situation. 
I, I do want to just emphasize again that these really are pretty difficult. It, it most the previous two, the previous scenarios we talked about. If you go in there with a standalone deck with nine XP and no extra weaknesses, you're probably going to be fine, like just a normal group. With this, you yeah. almost really want to kind of like tech for it in certain ways, and it helps if you go mm-hmm. in. If you do this like late in a, as part of an actual campaign where you've got like forty or fifty XP, it honestly will help you out. It, I mean, that's assuming yes. that you're trying to get all the victory and stuff. If you're not, then it's not as much of an issue. But uh, and I, and I kind of like that. I kind of like how challenging these are. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> just just as sort of a uh, a notable thing to remember, if you are considering this uh, this scenario, hold on to your allies. Please hold on to them. Right. The rewards, so there's definitely a lot of XP you can get, although it's difficult to get all of it. You you have to be very efficient at picking up clues, I think. There's also, I think, there's some type of special reward from the first scenario and the second one, I think. Yeah, they both both have a reward. It's based on, like, what decision you make at the end of the scenario, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the first scenario, I think you can choose to, like, get information or, like, save people. And the second second one, you can make a decision about how to deal with the final enemy. and it gives you different rewards based off that. Yep. And I feel like most of them are pretty cool. The only one I really remember is the Night Gaunt, which is kind of cool and unique. The other ones I think are mostly, they're decent. They're kind of just neat Egypt-flavored cards that are not really much better than regular player cards, but they're kind of interesting. The I, mean, I think the sword you can get is really strong, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a teleport after you murder somebody. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, we didn't date alluded to. We didn't mention the main one of the main mechanic, which is like the abyss, the the, the abyssal strength or something you have to manipulate throughout yes, the scenario. Strength that's, of the abyss. That's a cool thing because that gives you extra side quests. Because you have to decide like if you want it's worth trying to lower it or not by doing like some extra thing that costs you something. So, so rewards are alright. Generally, pretty replayable, I think. Yeah, d- definitely. J- just the fact that there's so much different stuff to do that it's it's two long scenarios with different parts makes it pretty replayable and there are different choices to make as well yeah and i think especially like the first part like the first act is like its own scenario by itself i think the downside of this pack is it feels like this could have been like a four (laughs) or five scenario campaign they could have they could have added a little bit to it plus charlotte would have been like a pretty good mini campaign so it feels like maybe they they could have missed out a little bit by cramming it into a standalone, but also at the same time, like, they point, it's probably not a good eight scenario campaign. So, but it is, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I I like this one a lot, or, or these two scenarios. And I think, in terms of like, would we recommend this to new players? Um, I mean, maybe not like new new players, but this is among the standalones. This is one that I would say don't pass up. Like, definitely get it and try it if you're into this game because it's a pretty unique experience that feels different from the other scenarios in the game. And you're kind of getting a lot of content for however much money it costs. And uh, it's just really neat. Who, do, who doesn't like pyramids and stuff? You know, everybody likes that stuff. Yeah, the flavor is great. It is hard. So I would probably caution people who might just have a core set yeah. <laughs> into going into this. Um, but if if you've got you know, maybe like Dunwich or Carcosa or a couple cycles under your belt and, and you feel pretty confident, then I would say to take from, from Dan and... and um, go for it after you've completed a couple scenarios in a in a um in a campaign and i and i guess we should mention that uh, going with the dane's theme of like where does this geographically fit in it would probably make sense to play this on your way from new england to france in carcosa maybe because sure. it's you know you could you could take an ocean hit. liner to egypt and then go to france from there or something you could do it like as a prelude to dream eaters if you wanted to too because exactly. it has some similar yeah. things there if people yeah. falling asleep. I still I still want to at some point put together kind of house rule like a full eight scenario campaign that is just the dream half of Dream Eaters plus this plus maybe Carnival and and plus maybe mm. Excelsior Hotel and kind of just assemble it from standalones and try to make it make sense. I think that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That yeah. definitely would work. That'd be enjoyable. Yeah. No, I, I like this scenario a lot. Good one. Uh, so I mean, speaking of Excelsior, uh, the next that is the next standalone murder at the Excelsior Hotel. So this is about uh, a crime. A crime's been committed. Someone's been murdered, and you need to try to solve the crime. You can either like try to work with the police or uh, work against the police to solve the crime. And it's it's hard to I don't want to spoil the the intro the <laughs> the beginning of it. Um, but yeah, so you you have some options whether you want to try to 
work with the people that are there or cover it up and there's some people at the hotel that are working against you and there's some some innocent people that are just derping around pointing fingers at people so it becomes a lot with like you have to decide if you want to like knock out the police or not um or let them continue to annoy you and add doom to the board it definitely feels like a very cool uh x-files episode or something yeah where, like, there's weird things happening in the background there's kind of like a whodunit scenario but but it's it's great I mean, I think the thing that, like, is is really, I think, we like about this is it has ten different endings. Because the first the first act, you have to, like, find some clues, and you get, t- like, two random clues out of a pool of five, and those two clues lead you to what happens in the second act. Yeah, I mean, not not just endings, but two ten different second halves, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, like, they add different encounter cards to the deck, and they give you a different goal. Although a lot of the goals are like, go to this one section of the hotel and do something, and then go to this other section of the hotel and do something. Yeah, but, it's a little bit like Betrayal at the at the House on the Hill or whatever. I was about to bring it, that up. Yeah, yeah in the, 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 board the, game. the first half is sort of just relatively normal, and then it there's some random seating that determines the second half can play out very differently. Like Betrayal at the House on the Hill, I would say some of those ten second halves are more interesting than others, but I mean, mm-hmm. they're all pretty cool. Yeah, I, mean, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, only pl- I haven't played all of them, but... Uh... Yeah, some of them are definitely cool. Than others, yeah, I, so. I guess I haven't played all of them either, but all the ones I've played are cool. I mean, one thing that's kind of neat here is um, that you're dealing with multiple, I guess you could call them factions, but you're dealing with multiple like sides of an argument almost. Like you're it, you're the investigators, but there's also like the officials that get involved eventually. And then there's also like the guests, the people who are just kind of in the hotel ambiently. And then there's also the the creepy evil stuff that's happening. So there's a lot of different directions and and aspects of of uh enemies and and themes that are happening during the whole thing that make it pretty great yeah there's there's a lot of different you, you really have to work hard to kind of manage all the different types of enemies in this one yeah for sure and yeah i mean and other than that i mean yeah the experience of playing it it really depends how the second half turns out but uh it's it's <laughs> it's just neat it's funny it feels a little bit more like a kind of a normal arkham scenario than most of these other ones I mean, uh, depending on what you get for the second half, but you know, you're in a hotel, something kind of spooky is going on, but it's, it's kind of, you know, it it kind of plays with a lot of sort of standard, like horror and mystery kind of tropes. So that's, that's really pretty neat. Yeah. And I think that if you're looking to put it into a scenario, you can really go anywhere with it because it's just some random hotel. It's not like in Ontario or it's, you know, somewhere very specific. Well, it, it's like, yeah, I, I think, I think the XL Sertel is probably in Arkham in the story text, but you could just say it's whatever. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the spooky hotel in, uh, um, I don't know. I'm forgetting it. Can, can, uh, can I movie where he murders everyone with guns? Uh, Ben, it's come on. You find them anywhere. Come on, what? Ben. <laughs> my name, my brain is not working oh, at all right ben. now. <laughs> what? The, why? The, the Bible? <laughs> no. I can't even think of the name of the movie. The Lake <laughs> House, Ben. The goddamn Lake House. <laughs> All right, thank, thank you, Dan. The Lake Jesus. House. The Lake House where Kanye yeah. <laughs> Reeves is yeah, a, where he, a murder machine. Yeah. Are you talking <laughs> about Don Rick? Murder, murder extravaganza? It's called, it's called Point Break, Ben. Jesus. Um, uh, for, for memorable <laughs> cards... Uh, I don't remember. I mean, I guess I remember the kind of like snooty hotel employees that are really annoying to deal with as you desperately, as you work overtime to keep them from getting killed or turned into monsters and they still just get in your way. That's kind of memorable. Yeah. I think that what's cool about this, that is, is very much the opposite. And the other ones that we were talking about is that you really want to bring a good cluer or somebody or, or a couple people who can get clues because that is very important to the way that you interact with the various sides of of this mystery. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like, oh, we have to clear all the clues off this location because then that will affect whether or not the enemies like move towards it or not. There's a lot of sort of exactly. controlling enemies' movements by picking up or not picking up clues. That is pretty neat. Yeah, there's a couple new mechanics that's introduced that like interact with that in a fun way. So like the patrol mechanic yeah. is just like... Oh, yeah hunter but towards a certain location based on its state so exactly yeah yeah rewards for this i don't remember the rewards being too exciting do you get a different reward based on different endings don't you get no right aren't like uh aren't some of the five 
clue cards, things that you can get as rewards, maybe? Or am I imagining that? Oh, I think that's a blob. That happens in the blob, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that soon. So the rewards for this, yeah, you can pick up like the murder weapon as a reward, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which is like an okay weapon. and It's a reasonable weapon, yeah. Yeah, and I think you, I think depending what path path you take, you can pick up the police officer guy as a reward who like is like a damage and health soak. Right. So the rewards are okay. I think this is another one that's like, and, and I guess you can actually get a decent amount of victory points um, if you get the clues. So yeah. rewards are rewards are pretty alright. I think this one's another like very good. You just kind of play it for the experience. It's generally pretty fun to play, and as we mentioned, you can replay it. There's ten different endings, so it's got a lot of replayability. Plus. There's other paths you can choose in. I like, can choose to uh, which faction you side with, kind of. So it has a lot of different options there, and you can insert into any campaign because, as we said, the, the hotel can be anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This one, as much as I like Guardians of the Abyss, uh, I mean, this one I would recommend even above that for newer players, just because it is not as long. I think it's not quite as difficult, although it is still fairly difficult. And it just it's just so much replayability. You can just have a lot of fun playing it multiple times. And uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I would say it's probably the most replayable scenario in the game because it was actually built for that. It was actually designed by uh, Nicholas Corey of the Mythos Busters and MJ. And I think that their direction was, I mean, they, they kind of <laughs> told people, but um, was very much for that replayability. They wanted something that that stood out. And for that reason... Whereas I wasn't recommending Guardians of the Abyss for somebody who might just have a core set and maybe a couple like scenarios in the in a campaign or something, I might say yes, this would probably be the first one that I would try because it is so replay it. Like you will get your money's worth out of it, basically, hundred percent of the time. Speaking of eating everything, so <laughs> yeah. So next scenario is the blob that ate everything. So this came out 2019 for Gen Con and Arkham Knights. Um, and this is mm-hmm. this is the true uh, massive multiplayer scenario. It scales up for any number of playgroups, uh, even one. And I think it still plays well at one at a, as a single player group or a single mm-hmm. single team, a regular a regular four player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also very good as like a big event uh, scenario. So the theme is, yeah, uh, I don't remember exactly the location it takes place in, but you're in like a town where a mysterious Entity has crash landed, I believe. Blackwood, and it's, and it's a a blob that's slowly devouring the town and everything around it. So you're trying to like the government has come in, and you're trying to investigate this substance that's, that's spreading through the town, eating everything, and you're trying to stop it. And at the same time, uh, oh, there was a bullet point here, but Dane just crossed it I, out and wrote redacted. I wouldn't say so, I wouldn't. So spoil I won't, I won't mention that. There's, there's there's some there's, other stuff happening that <laughs> that happens like after the stare that makes it that cranks up the the spooky cosmic horror a bit yeah so yeah other than that yeah that's the kind of the theme so it, it and when you're working when you're doing it in the multiplayer mode what is it, the axe all uh advanced together you have a global clue pool right yes yeah. yep so yep. and global and health it, pool for the blob global clue pool and then i guess we we, we could talk about that we have there are these things called countermeasures which are used by all of the groups uh that help you do certain things within the context of, of the story, but also within uh, mechanically. Yeah. They help you interact with things. So, ways. yeah, so there's some, uh, yeah, so there's some interaction, there's a lot of more interaction opportunities with other groups when you're playing it, if you want. Um, and you kind of want to coordinate when you advance the axe because you want everyone to be ready for the next phase when it happens. Uh, Cause you, the, you kind of have like a clue getting phase, and then you kind of have like a battle phase, and you kind of have like a recovery phase. So you kind of want everyone to be ready to to handle those when you go through. So yeah, so most memorable stuff about this, there's the one card where the blob can eat everything, and it, that's that's the the big one. That's the fun one where you like draw two random chaos tokens, and there's like a big chart you consult, and it the blob will eat something, and it can it can eat stuff other than game components. It can eat abstract concepts or stuff the players can do people really like that yeah it's great it's so good it's so good for that reason probably best to play it in a like in in an environment that you can control i would say like maybe if you could play it in a game store then sure that's fine but it might not be the best experience like the absolute best experience that you can have Um, because there will be really wacky things that it will may ask you to do 
um, that you might not get like the 100% experience of that. Um, but if you don't really put a lot of emphasis on like that kind of theme, then just do it. Just play. right. Cause it might say like, Oh, the blob eats your cards. And then you have to like throw all your cards in the toilet or something like, it, you know, there's, <laughs> so, there's stuff like that that might be harder to do in a game store. Um, Give them to your dog. I, I mean, yeah. I, I do think that is pretty cool and pretty creative. The part that I kind of remember the most is the kind of, um, the kind of like Final Fantasy thirteen ass Devil May Cry ass Bayonetta ass <laughs> mechanic where you kind of like stagger the boss and then combo it to try to do as much damage as possible yes. once weak point is exposed, which is pretty yep. cool. I think that's very neat. Very and I also remember just like tons of little ads spawning all over the place and it feeling kind of like a like a World of Warcraft raid boss or something where you have to like AOE everything. Oh yeah. So I, I like yeah. those mechanics quite a bit. It definitely invokes the field of like a of a big MMO raid boss. You're right. Where there's like different phases and you have to do different strategies to deal with each part and you kinda of have to repeat a couple times. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot happening in it, right? I mean I mean not, not in a bad way, in a very good way. It, there's there's a lot of urgency i guess that is that is expressed upon the players to do specific things and i'm I'm trying to i'm trying to not spoil anything but also entice people into getting it because i obviously love this scenario (laughs) it's got lots of cool stuff going on there's also like i think like partway through a side quest opens up (laughs) where you have to like help somebody or save somebody um and there's like i think it's just four different ones that can happen and if you yep. complete that, that's what gives you actual rewards other than XP, I think, right? Yes. Yep. So that's you how you can... get the uh, like the actual player card I, rewards. I kind of, I kind of wish that I, w- I would love to see a scenario that was kind of like this, and that it was like one big boss fight, but instead of being this just kind of like big green blob that wants to eat everything, some boss with like a little bit more of a personality, like what, like a really cool like Bloodborne boss or something. Like who's the um, <laughs> who's like the giant eye monster in Bloodborne? Ebrietus or Iberius or something like. Yes, like yep, some yep. kind of something like like that. That would be really nice. I mean, but this is this is still cool. I don't mean to be like saying that this isn't good. Honestly, they could they could reskin this with that and and like put put more like of a gothic flavor on it and do all that stuff. And I would I would eat it up. I would love this so much because I love I enjoy this scenario very much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure MJ is a fan of Bloodborne. Uh, oh yeah, that, <laughs> yes. That. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we I, no I, we know that's true, right? There's isn't there a ref, there's reference to Dark Souls and that is games, completely so true. Sure likes yeah. Bloodborne. Um, but, so. but 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 just in general, yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is more boss fight scenarios because that's just like a cool thing that i think is a little bit underexplored in the scenario so far yeah yeah we definitely have a couple but there's a lot of room to expand so uh so replayability uh slash would we recommend it yeah as we said we recommend buying all these uh this one for a single group experience have i played as a single group i can't remember dean you have right what do you think of it as a single group i played it a few times uh it's fun it's it's not nearly as memorable i think as it is epic multiplayer mode um that being said i think that almost nothing is only the very best things in arkham are as memorable as epic multiplayer blob uh, for me anyway and i think for that reason if you do want to get it try your hardest to play it first with friends where you can be in a place uh, to do the to experience the epic multiplayer mode ideally with somebody who's done it before so that they can run it for you i know that that is a lot of check marks <laughs> but i think that that's the absolute 100 percent best blob experience but even just playing it through if you're just in a campaign obviously these are these, these here are covid times and who el- who the hell is gonna try to put that together um definitely definitely honestly play. just join our discord and message dane and say hey you're running any blobs dane will like probably do one or something <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah please actually do that do that as as soon as you fi- li- finish but, here but, but i kind of agree with what dane was what dane, dane and ben were saying i think that this is probably pretty fun to play as a single group i haven't actually done it but it's so much fun to play as a big massive thing with with a ton of groups and I think this is not super replayable because it is kind of it goes roughly the same way each time. I would really suggest kind of saving it as like a once a year or a couple of times a year thing at Arkham Knights, Gen Con, whatever you're going to, or at you know some kind of like remote Farkham thing. Save it for the big massive stuff so that you don't kind of get tired of it. That's that would be my recommended approach. But it, it is really good either way. 
Yeah, I think I will always play it in epic multiplayer mode if if it's available. And as a side scenario, maybe like once every two scenarios that I do. Because I do, I do enjoy it very much. I think that the uh, the way that the side quest rolls out that Ben was talking about a little earlier uh, that can give it some replayability. But I think that Dan is correct in saying that there it, it is um, maybe a little less replayable than definitely less than Excelsior and, and maybe a little less than others. Yeah, yeah. So last one, uh, last standalone pack or scenario pack, whatever. Quest adventure, whatever the, whatever the correct term is, uh, is <laughs> War 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 of the Outer Gods, which came out like two two months ago. When did that come yeah, out? December? Not to be confused with Peace of the Inner Gods. I guess that came out in December. So yeah, War of the Outer Gods. So the theme of this is there are three different factions trying to summon their their Cthulhu of choice. <laughs> there's red cthulhu there's green cthulhu and there's blue cthulhu yeah well each one of them is themed around something different like the red ones like themed around like an in, it's like an insect cthulhu uh the blue ones like the void of space or something um and the green one is uh blinking what is it dane i thought it was your favorite one isn't it ooze Ooh, the green is one is like like kind of grotesque body horror-ish sort of yeah primordial creature thing Mm. which is neat yeah so they, they they have distinct themes and they have and what you're trying to do is you you can they will fight each other but when they kill each other they give doom to their own agenda each one has like their own agenda there's three agendas and so <laughs> surprise you, so the theme of it is you're trying to control like you don't want any one in particular to like load up on doom really quickly so you kind of like try to try to balance out which ones are gaining doom based on who's killing each other or what part of the map you're investigating. And this is another massive multiplayer one, uh, so you can play with other groups. And in that case, the doom on each agenda is shared uh, between all the groups. So, you know, like if one group is really ignoring the red faction, that's going to affect everybody. Um, everyone's red faction is going to go up faster. So uh, that adds an interesting dynamic. I think you can also interact with the other groups. Like once you've completed your objectives, I think you can help them out. Um, or there's like a you can spend clues to like kill enemies on another group's board or something which is kind of right kind of interesting i've only played it once uh online in the multiplayer mode i think dan's played a few times and dan maybe only also once. yeah i've, I've only played it once it, it's kind of hard to judge it just because we, we haven't really gotten to play it in like an in-person massive thing like blob or labyrinths and uh, we only played it once so it's hard to say I, I think the jury's still out i i do think uh it is neat how each of the three factions have very different mechanically designed enemies and encounter cards so you know i i think that i do think it's really neat how when they're designing a a scenario they kind of like sometimes construct the encounter deck almost as if it's a character where it has like an objective and it has like themes in it this is one where you kind of have like it feels like you're fighting against three decks at once and that that is really neat and i also just think that the kind of way that progression is tracked is kind of impressive how they have three different agendas going across this massive set of multiple groups and it's it just it's neat that it even works like it's kind of impressive that they managed to figure out a way to actually make this a functional scenario yeah i think that the the warring factions is definitely the high point i guess i'm I'm trying to think of like a a genre that this might be like like I guess uh, um, like global global massacre kind of scale type horror. It's a God, <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters where there's a bunch of sure, different sure. giant random monsters fighting each other <laughs> in different, different cities. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it kind of feels apocalyptic, right? Because there's like there there is an urgency that it does give um, that you need to stop these factions and since you are only four investigators you can only stop so much from happening right like doom will progress no matter what and that might feel bad to some people but it also kind of feels natural after a little while um so it kind of feels fine for this one i think that maybe i wouldn't stress that you would you would want to try to get to be uh the epic multiplayer mode it kind of works perfectly fine in in the scope of a regular uh scenario or campaign or just standalone with with a single team but yeah yeah i like the idea it's got like, lots of cool mechanics mixed in uh there's a lot going on so i think it's does it uh i think it's worth playing it can this be mixed into a into a campaign and does it have rewards i don't remember mm-hmm. it can yeah it can and the rewards oh, are kind of cool neat. The, they're the most unique i think that we've had before 
if if you enjoy playing Luke, there's something that makes you into Luke for a turn. Yeah, I haven't looked at the rewards for this because I only played it in multiplayer mode, not as a campaign. Um, yeah. So so this being this being the kind of the newest one, and also we should say, I mean, so this was going to be the like Arkham Knights scenario last year if there had been an Arkham Knights. I think right. Yeah. Like because everything was canceled yes. because of coronavirus. I feel like we didn't really get a chance to experience this the way that it was probably intended. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, all, all that said, I mean, w- would you guys <laughs> recommend this to, to, to newer players or, or people that are thinking about picking up a standalone scenario? I think for newer players, probably not. I think there's a lot going on. Um, and I think you might need a little bit better uh, mastery of the rules just to keep track of everything i mean i know you guys just make me keep track of everything so i don't know maybe you just need one maybe you just need one person in your group thanks but... ben <laughs> i definitely agree and and i just feel like it's really hard to judge because like i said i played this once and that one game was kind of marred by on the one hand i think we kind of messed up the rules near the end which kind of threw a wrench in the works mm. and then also um it kind of just petered out like i feel like we had kind of accomplished most of what our group needed to do and then it just kept on going and that was kind of a weird anticlimactic resolution to it but i'm not sure if that's really supposed to happen or if we had if we had done the rules properly maybe it wouldn't have if we had if things hadn't worked out exactly that way just randomly maybe it wouldn't have we were playing it online so i think we couldn't really get a good grasp of like how other teams were doing and i think maybe we did well getting clues and some other other teams i had worse luck and been struggling more so like we accomplished yeah and also also we had a seekers on our team so uh so we accomplished our goal we were just kind of waiting for the other teams to catch up and we didn't really have a super great way to help them we could like slowly feed them clues but it didn't seem to do quite enough so we had to fight the boss and yeah i think we we did win they, we did the team did manage to kill the boss at the end but uh yeah it was close i think if if i wanted to to pick out something to critique it would be the locations because they are there's no variance in them every time you set this up it will be the exact Mm. same map there it's never like that you pick one of two of any specific locations but i think that it's kind of hard to engineer something like this anyways and i definitely agree with ben in saying that you should probably have maybe like a campaign or two under your belt first before you get this one because there is a lot going on especially with the three agendas i would say maybe clear carcosa <laughs> in terms of weird um mechanics happening go for that first and then see how you feel and then maybe pick where the outer gods up if this is more of your uh your your what is it ball court ballpark ball ball field it's, it's ballroom ballroom is what sports you're for. locale ballroom of the outer gods <laughs> yeah <laughs> if this is more of your 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 barroom then um you know then then blob then then try this one out yeah i i think uh i'm my 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 take is i'm excited to hope hopefully the corona thing is settled down by like next fall and there actually is an arkham knights 2021 if if that's the case and i hope it is i'm excited to actually get to play this in a big group in person yeah same i agree uh, but yeah, so that's that's all of the standalones up to date, right? Uh, make more of these FFG. Make make more of them. We we'll we'll, we'll buy them. You know, <laughs> I mean, why, why not? I mean, yeah. I guess we skipped Barkham, but uh, we'll talk about that at some point. Maybe the well, first Dan hasn't played it. Yeah, I still haven't played it. That, that's kind of that's kind of its own <laughs> category. I'm still kind of mad at how racist it is against cats. I'm definitely Team Cat. <laughs> uh, one of one of the do- one of those dog investigators is friends with the cats. I think so. You can just play that one. Which one is it? The purple one, yeah, I think. Seems, I think it's friends cats. I don't remember. So, aside from dog and cat banter, I think that um, these scenarios, it, it is important to mention that if you have tabletop simulator, people like make, there are fan made scenarios. We don't say the forbidden words on the podcast, Dane. We, we, we hint, we say, oh yeah, we're going to play online or oh, we're going to use digital tools or we say like, oh, we're, we're going to use. <laughs> Electronic software.exe to play this game. We don't say what the fucking thing is called. If you want to tell your mom to get off the phone for a few hours, <laughs> boot up boot up your uh, DSL connection there, and uh, or your your dial up connection, and uh, get on to some platform somewhere that might allow you to play things. People are pretty creative. Uh, if you go to arkhamcentral.com, there are a lot of scenarios that people have made, and that are available to people whether you want to print and play them 
or whether you want to find some method of hard coding these things into the computer somehow, then you can definitely do if so. If you want to unplug your VMU from your Dreamcast controller, uh, <laughs> plug, plug, plug it into your iMac, uh, log into the MSN zone, and then download some wads uh, to, to play with, with your friends in the cyber realm, uh, you can do that with custom scenarios in ArkhamHorror.biz, and that's what we like to do. Netrunner's still alive. Can we? Can we? It's, can, it's can, not. We, can we? Can we? Can we end the episode now, please? Dan doesn't even play it. Can we? Can we do the outro? <laughs> outro, Dan. Dan, please. <laughs> so, friends, what is your favorite standalone adventure? I know we talked about seven today. I'm sure there will be more uh, down the line. How many? <laughs> how many of the enemy names do you find yourself struggling to read? I know, I know for us, it, it is. It is probably. <laughs> it's good. It is probably it's a high good. percentage. Let us know your thoughts. Reach out to us on Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. E- email us at comments at mur.fm. Consider pledging to our Patreon. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.